From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Breast density is a measure used to describe the proportion of the different tissues that make up a woman's breasts. It compares the area of the breast and connective tissues seen on a mammogram to the area of fat. Women with dense breasts are four to five times more likely to get breast cancer than women with fatty breasts. But it is also not uncommon to get called back for additional screenings when you have dense breasts, because dense breast tissue makes it more difficult to interpret a mammogram. Today's guest needed an ultrasound multiple years in a row following her annual mammogram, but in 2020 received a call that she was not at all expecting. She had breast cancer. Here today to share her story is Emily Zarecki. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, let's let's just dive in. Let's start with your breast cancer story. Can you tell us about that moment when you were diagnosed? Yes, it it was a very very surreal moment. Um, so I had you know gone back for you know the follow up ultrasound. Having done it before, I wasn't wasn't too concerned, um, but I did read in, uh, you know, the, the, my chart portal, uh, you know, looking at the results, of course, I don't know how to read those medical terms, but of course I look at it anyway, and I'm scrolling down and I, I did see a measurement that, that worried me and talking with my husband about it. He's like, you've had these before. It's, it's no problem. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So the next day I'm working away at my computer and the phone rings and I see that it's my gynecologist's office. So I thought, here's the call. And I'm expecting to hear the sweet voice on the phone who I've talked to many times from the front office. And instead it was my nurse practitioner on the other line. And she said, hi, it's Gretchen. And immediately I thought, why is she calling me? I'm not supposed to be I'm supposed to hear from this, the office person that everything's fine. So I, I missed the first few things she was saying until I had to pause and say, did you just say I have breast cancer? And she paused and she said, I did. Mm. It was, it was a shock. Wow. I, I, I can only imagine what a shock that was. And so did you have any history of breast cancer in your family? There, there is history in, in my family, on my mom's side of the family, both breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And I've learned, you know, through this time, how they're connected. So uh, my grandmother um, had breast cancer when she was in her late 50s. Um, and this was back in the 1980s. So it had been a long time. Um, and just a couple of years before my diagnosis, my cousin, who's 10 years younger than me, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I thought... Okay, this is getting a little too close, but I wasn't wasn't too worried. Um, and then um, a year, two years before I was diagnosed, my mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So it just felt like this was almost closing in on me and feeling like, okay, I just feel like it's going to happen someday. But of course, try to think it's fine. I do my annual mammograms. Everything is good. But uh, yeah, getting that call was um, was still a shock, but, you know, feeling like, okay, it's in the family that also, you know, scared me because I have uh, two young daughters as well. So the, mm. the family history thing was was very worrisome. Well, I mean, it sounds like because of that family history, first, you were aware of it. And then second, you were doing your screenings proactively because of that, which is which is fantastic and so important. Right. Yeah. Very important. So what happened after that? What did what did treatment look like for you? 
So um, when I was talking with my um, the nurse practitioner uh, on the phone, she said, I want to get you into see an oncologist right away. So of course, I was just automatically starting to feel a little overwhelmed, just um, definitely overwhelmed with the whole the whole thing. But she said, I know someone who, because I didn't, you know, of course, know where to go. It was just kind of like, what do I do? And she was very reassuring. And she said, I have this oncologist I refer many patients to. I even referred a family member to. So I thought, okay, I'm feeling, you know, reassured by that. And within a couple of days, I was in his office and I remember registering in the main, main entrance area and then taking that step into a cancer center in this time as a patient. It was, again, a very, very surreal moment. And um, I just thought, okay, just take a deep breath and let's figure this out and, mm. you know, get to meet the team and find out what's next. Wow. I mean, I, I can only imagine how surreal that that moment has. I mean, just several moments, right? This mm-hmm. series of moments, getting the, getting the call, but then taking the step into the cancer center. It's just, just unreal. And so, so walk us through uh, this from like a mental health perspective. I mean, how were you doing? I, I was definitely, I think, still in shock, um, very overwhelmed. Um, I remember talking with a friend of mine, about it. Just the fact that, oh my gosh, I was just diagnosed. It's all starting. And I remember her saying, you're talking almost clinically about it. Like you haven't even grasped what's happening. And I said, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. It feels so surreal. I use that term so many times to talk about the early days that it just, it just felt so strange to like, this is what's happening to me. Um, but I kind of quickly just went into the mode of okay, here's what it is. What do we need to do? So it was still kind of that, uh, you know, not really grasping the emotion of it yet, but let's learn what this is. I didn't realize there were different types of breast cancer. So it was a lot of education. Uh, My oncologist was phenomenal going through the different types and then very reassuring about, you know, talking through the treatment process and from the very beginning saying, you know, if we follow this process and it's, you've got a year ahead of you, but if we follow this process, we're looking at a 95% cure rate. And he paused and he said, I'm not talking it's treatable. I'm talking cure. And so I, I, I remember thinking, I was almost like I could finally take a little breath and like, okay, there's good news here. I see that light way down. I mean, it was a a long, dark tunnel, but from the very beginning, I was trying to have as much of a positive attitude as I could. I love that. I love that. And, and, and like we mentioned a minute ago, you were, you were proactive about your screenings and and I would imagine you're probably a huge proponent of screenings and and keeping up with mammograms. Is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners about that, particularly during the pandemic and, and even particularly as it relates to having dense breast tissue? Yes. Yeah. When uh, I learned, you know, a few years ago that, you know, I did have dense breast tissue, really didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, and then talking with the, you know, mammography teams and as well as my own providers, just kind of educating me on the process and saying, because of this, you need to definitely stay you know, on top of your mammograms every year. And um, I've definitely encouraged, you know, all of my friends, any, and as I was first even telling my story, saying that, you know, I was becoming such a proponent for mammography screenings. I remember 
stepping and doing my first screening when I turned 40 and, you know, it was scary. I thought, I don't even know what I'm worried about, but it just, the idea of it seems scary, but it's not, it's not that bad at all. And just knowing how much, when you catch it early, how much it can save your life. Mm, That's right. That's so important. So important. So, so last question, um, people often ask how they can support people in their, in their lives who've been diagnosed with breast cancer. What type of support was most helpful for you and what advice would you give those wanting to help? Yes. Um, I received tremendous support from family, friends. It was um, so comforting. Like I just had all of their, you know, arms wrapped around me. Of course, I was going through treatment during during a pandemic, which was brought on some additional challenges. But um, immediately, what was so great was that people weren't saying, call me, let me know what I can do. They were giving specific ideas. They were saying, we want to bring you dinner. My, uh, you know, cousin and her husband, um, the one who had gone through breast cancer herself, they live out of town. And she said, we want to bring you dinner. I was like, um, you're about three and a half hours away. How are you going to do that? She's like, girl, DoorDash. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. She must've sent us dinner four times. Um, but it was the specific asks of people saying, we want to bring you dinner or can we just stop by and visit? Um, I got a number of you know flower arrangements and gift baskets sent to me that were so thoughtful. And it was like people, you know, took the time to either talk with other people, but it was knowing that, you know, going through chemo, I got, you know, gum and lemon drops, knowing, you know, different things that were going to be helpful. Um, I must have gotten five different blankets, but everyone is so special and you know, journals and lotions. And um, it was just, and it was really throughout the treatment. So, so helpful. And then people even telling me, you know, you're in our thoughts and prayers. And sometimes you feel like that doesn't mean anything, or if it does, it's just so little, but it really truly does mean a lot. And I remember thinking the day I was in surgery, I've never had, you know, any major surgery. I mean, I had a C-section with my daughters, but, um, you know, going in for surgery like this, I was, you know, had a double mastectomy, no idea what's in front of me. And I couldn't have been calmer the entire time before surgery. And I thought that's gotta be the, you know, that love and support and just feeling all of that love going into it, obviously, you know, still having that positive attitude, but the Mm. Just amazing support. So one thing I definitely encourage listeners is to, you know, not say, call me if you need anything, because the Mm. person on the other end is not going to call. Right. (laughs) Um, But if you say, hey, I want to bring you you dinner or a dear friend of mine said, what do you need? Mm. What are you hungry for? And I was like, well, ice cream starting to taste good again. And within, I don't even think it was an hour and a half, she brought over this basket with two big things of ice cream and toppings. And it was like the whole little Sunday bar. And it was just, it was so great. And I have just so many great examples like that of people thinking like, okay, I want to do something specific and here it yeah. is. We're going to do this for you. Yeah. Great. I mean, I, I love that. And, and, I, and I've had people on the show talk about that before. And I think I've, I find that the way to think about that a lot of times is to ask yes or no questions. Like, 
can I bring you lunch right now? Yes, yes or no, right? Yeah. Rather than what can I do for you? Because what can I do for you is such a broad question and you, can't, you don't have the mental capacity to answer it well. Exactly. But can I bring you lunch right now? Can I come and vacuum your floor? <laughs> you know, like whatever it is. Right. Um, those are things that you can respond to. And, and I think it helps you to see how other people can help you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So those specific asks really, really make so much difference. And, you know, realize that as, little as it seems on their end, it's, it's huge from, from the person and even our, our family. We were just so, so grateful for, for all that support that the little things really do mean the most. Well, they add up. The little things really, really add up. They sure do. And and that support adds up a lot. Well, Emily, this is great. Love your attitude. You're an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.